0: I'm Carrick MacDonald and this is Halfway to Borough, the two towns local history show on Cam Radio. This programme is the first in a three-part series called Common Threads and includes interviews with some of the members of the Busy Bees Craft Group, which meets every week in Ruther Hall. Poet, artist and photographer Christina Malavi-Corell has been a member of the group for the past eight years. She asked some of her fellow members to tell her how they learned their craft skills, what new skills they've learned within the group, what sort of things did they make, and whether the skills they have have been passed on to younger generations. Christina also explored with them what they felt were the benefits of being part of the group. These interviews were recorded early in 2020, just a few weeks before lockdown was introduced following the coronavirus pandemic. Despite this, women in the group continue to make use of their skills from home, playing their part in the fight against this deadly disease. We'll hear more about that later in the programme. In this first programme, we'll hear from Busy Bees members Lily, Margaret and Irene. First, Christina reflects briefly with Lily about the tradition of crafts in Scotland, before Irene tells her how she joined the group and how she learned her craft skills.
1: You think it's a Scottish tradition of... If, if we look back historically in Scotland, there's always been something being done with oh, fabric and, 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 and wool. and You, and you know, we're, we're, that's our country. And the, the weaving the and the, the, the tools.
2: How long have you been coming to the Busy bees Group? Um, about 18 years. Mm-hmm. We, we were one of the original... I was one of the original, but I started up at Cranhill uh, mm-hmm. Community Centre. Mm-hmm. Maybe Betty and Ruth and Lolly and Lily's friend Ellen, so I went to the mm-hmm. So it's been going about nearly Seventeen, maybe yeah, longer a long than that, long, long time. How did you begin those skills? Who taught you them? My father taught me to sew. And then he went on to become a machinist and an overlocker and a jacket of trades. So, so through the years. Who taught your father? I don't know, never asked him that question. He bought my mother a sewing machine. And I've got it in the house, and he actually taught me to sew on it. Is it a singer? It's a singer. <laughs> it's about sixty-year-old.
3: <laughs> First of all, um, my granny, who was in Vinegar Hill, showed down and taught me how to sew. She had a wee hand-sewing machine, which was my great granny's machine. I know how that. It's 1907, and it's in perfect working order. She taught me to make a straight line, and then how to make a wee penny, and that was her teaching me to sew.
0: This is Margaret telling us how she learned to sew and to knit.
3: My other granny taught me how to knit and that's how I learned how to knit and sew. What age were you, would you say, when they were I think I was to... four when I started four. sewing and I think I was four when I started knitting. So, Lily, how did you begin to learn
1: crochet or sewing or all the craft skills that you had? Well, you used in the, the crocheting or sewing, my mother
4: taught us when we were about five. Right. And who taught your mother? It must have been her mother again, you, know? you think so? Aye, aye, because he, uh, that's what my, my mother done at the time, you know what I mean? She knitted the soaps for my brothers, and the whole weight in the heel, she just ripped it back and we them, you know what I mean? And many brothers did you have? Six. 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 Well, my granny that taught me, so it
3: was only my dad, she only had my dad, and my mum, there was five of them, so it was four sisters and the brother. So my grandma had five of them to bring up. So mm-hmm. she didn't really sew, but she could knit, and she knitted knickers and everything. So we learned to knit knickers. Really, um, and I laughed because there was a thing on the Billy Conway, and it was knitted swimsuits. I was going to. And we them. made them. Really? she made us kn- knit them, and really? we wore them. Um, white deal baths with knitted swimsuits. So oh, that's jump in, in the bath jump in, <laughs> and it would fall down. But then that would be you. But I so that this needs must. My grandma Brown, who was the one that taught me to knit. When they give me knitting pins because they were too dangerous. Right. But I had two nails that I found, uh-huh. and I was sitting playing with the nails. Uh-huh. And she took the nails off me and said, right, OK, okay. just yeah. join us nails. Yeah. Um, Six inch or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And I was sitting on the stairs with them, yeah. where a bit of oil, And she took them off me and she said, right, you can have them. But it is something that you have to do.
1: So is that a skill you think your father taught you that you never lost? If he hadn't taught you that skill, how would you have found it, do you think?
2: I always knew I could sew sewing machine. I didn't think I could ever hand sew, which was two different things. But I learnt to hand sew at 50, so I'll never look back. Did you make your own patterns or
3: make up from patterns? Make, how more did you patterns.
1: Things?
3: make my own patterns.
1: Which is quite a skill.
3: Pattern drafting is something that you would learn. I learned how to do it from my granny. She mm-hmm. taught me how to do it um, by cutting stuff up for, to make something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she would say, Cut that out of, out of that, so there'd be a dress, and she can say, "You want to make a new dress out of that?" Well, we'll cut something off of that. So I learned to do it, cutting it off. But then I got bits of paper, wallpaper, and cutting patterns out of that, and then doing my measurement to learn how to do it myself.
0: People in the generation from which Lily, Margaret, and Irene come, frequently made their own clothes, often repairing and reusing them, mostly for economic reasons, as Margaret tells us.
3: It was needs must. It's needs must, and that's no change from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, mm-hmm. right through it. I mean, there's still, everybody has areas of yeah. deprivation. Every yeah. country has areas yeah. of deprivation, but there's always somebody that's going to have to make uh-huh. make something. Uh-huh. If you didn't have somebody that would make your clothes, you would have no clothes. Mm-hmm. So that's why the, the skills
4: are important. My mother was left a widow when she was 39, mm-hmm. and there was eighties then. So she had I, So it was. you only had a bit of pension and you mm-hmm. didn't get uh, it uh, helps the way you mm-hmm. get it now. So you had to pay it. you had to, so, so, so men, you, had to, had you know what I mean? And them. then when you became a uh, workmate, mm-hmm. I mean, I was brought up with my granny. My granny stayed in Shelton. Uh, so I was brought up with, up with her because she took me before I went to school mm-hmm. to help my mother, you mm-hmm. know what oh. I mean? And they helped her otherwise, like the short and the thing, like you of know. Course. Yeah, sorry, it nips me. So I mean, I would do it kind of luxury because they weren't the skin. You know what I mean? They, they, and all those they, they, skills they, that they she had, taught. They you. had money, aye, aye, and that's <laughs> where all it came for as well. You know, the grandmother. Aye, aye. yeah, with that. Do you think?
2: It was a sort of make and mend, and you had partly because there were six in the family. But my dad was also in the boys' brigade that Mary Hill used to run it in Ancroft Street and the Kelvin, Kelvin Hall, Kelvin Side. And then he went on to do the bagpipe bag things as well. He made them, and I used to help him, so that's how I get into sewing as well. Because men did sew and,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: you know, create and make things in the home because they had to, often out of necessity. Would you agree? I would. But when you've got four brothers, with these come with their trousers and their jackets on, the band go, then you've got to be adapt, to fix stuff. I mean, I wouldn't
4: have bought a jumper or a cardigan. No, I knitted them all. And you made your own clothes as yes. well. Yes. Uh-huh. How did you learn that? In here. And here. So well, before that, Ellen, Ellen Evans, uh-huh. maybe Ellen, Ellen Evans. Evans. Well, well, be well. Before that, eh, it was Ellen before we went to the swim club at all. Right. And I never ever wore a trouser suit. And I was going to Blackpool. We always went there in the summer uh-huh. for colleges And she said, I'll make any Ellen's trouser suit. And I went, oh, uh-huh. I don't know about the, the trousers, you know. And she said, I'll make it anyway for you, you know uh-huh. how. So she made this beautiful all green. Shrouders. suit with in sleeveless, jacket, you yeah. know, yeah. 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 was be beautiful. Do you know it was a god sign because I think it rained for about eight days <laughs> at the time <laughs> and the wind was howling. Oh,
1: you yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes they took wool out from old cardigans and things. How did I sat
3: and knitted things that had been ripped out <clears throat> well, I was born in nineteen fifty two, so they were written out jumpers that were utility jumpers yeah. from the war. Yeah. And My grandma used to say, "Well, we'll just get them and rip them out," and she used to make you rip them out and wash it, and then Uh rip it all back out again. Uh And then it was on the back of a chair, rolling it up and knitting it up again. And it would all be wavy, even though it had been washed. But nothing was wasted. No, coats and everything, Uh um, they got cut down. Cardigans got cut down. I, I know um,
4: people ask you to not for uh-huh. babies as well aye. in certain aye. colours and aye. what kind of what do they tell you once to get them? They must be pretty pleased. Oh I I mean I for all the, the, the kids, you know like my sister's kids, my brother's kids. I need to throw them all. Uh-huh. When they were young, you know what I mean? So if you if you if you try and count your knitting hours from five years old oh, every good. every day, <laughs> every day well, at night time, I lift the, the, the crochet Remember, uh-huh. about, about 9 o'clock uh-huh. at night, uh-huh. you know how. It was a daily, it was a daily thing. I, if I'm watching a movie, you know yeah. how. Uh, I left the crochet and and just put the shawls away to uh-huh. uh, right. somebody. So she's like, and then I'll put the ribbon in, yeah, you. yeah. 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 Uh, so I just put them away. Oh, about? The
3: patchwork, the patchwork. Um, it was the blankets. And what she used to have was rags. She would have all the material that... Wherever she got it, and it was cut into squares and she would put a blanket, an old blanket would be on the inside and a sheet on the back, and that's how I learned to do patchwork. I went to South Africa, uh-huh. and at that time you could take your knitting needles and try to wing, uh and uh, I'd check
4: uh-huh. and I did hair cardigan. Uh-huh. You, it was South
0: <laughs> Christina has written a poem describing what it means to her to be a member of the Busy Bees. It's called The Group.
5: I like the company of older women. Their faces, hair, slow smiles, eyes of life, ears of sound, landscape skin, talking, 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 listening, 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 belly laughter, inner child revealed, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, stories, making tea, sharing food, remembering dinners, loved meals of childhood, hands knitting, cutting, hooking, sewing, hands which hold the past, my past, their past, our past, emotional weaving for my sore heart, I cry less since I joined the group, in the wee small hours alone, pain is shifting, developing my creativity, my artfulness, me, Best of all, I sit amongst women, working class women, women I know, old of the hills, beautiful, my country.
0: I'm Carrick Macdonald, and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the two towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this programme, called Common Threads, Christina malarve quarell is talking to Lily, Margaret and Irene of the Busy Bees craft group about learning, using and passing on their skills and about the benefits of being part of that group. Some of the women in the Busy Bees group had formal training in craft skills before they started working. Here's Irene again.
2: Well, I started off in the can in a training in Easter House because I was actually I was brought on Easter House. and they'd done a 12-week training course and before you were allowed into the factory, you had to learn to Red, a sewing machine with your eyes shut and deal this with lines it was the best training ever and then for there I went on to different places like the and side and Shettleston
3: and Morton, mm-hmm. different places I took my training and I took my sitting guilds in it so I then became a teacher of sewing and knitting and I'm still doing it even though I'm retired and I love it, I couldn't even do it every day I'm sewing or every day I'm knitting but when I was doing my training, I was going back in time to how my granny taught me. Uh-huh. And although I was trained as a tailoress and I'm a kilt maker, it was a different thing from tailoring to doing a kilt. Uh-huh. So and I thought, well, i had nothing else to do but just sit down and do the kilt the way I thought I'd do it. But it was wrong, but now I do them.
0: Before Margaret qualified and began teaching craft skills, she had a previous job in which she had to employ a skill the same as one she uses in sewing and knitting.
3: I was a wages carcass in a big industrial right. route. Um, I worked for Wears in Cathcart and I worked for Wears, but I was a wages carcass, uh-huh. so my sewing was something that i done outside. Uh-huh. So I was um, clerically minded and yeah. I always worked with my brain uh-huh. doing numbers. Yeah. So the sewing and the knitting always came back to that as well because you had to work with numbers with that as well.
0: Lily began her working life at the Govancroft Pottery in London Road, before doing her bit in World War Two. Would,
4: would you like to
1: have been a clothes designer or something? You have got a lot of talent now? Well, I'm a pottery. I'm
4: really? a pottery. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Could did that you mean, come about? Oh, I worked there when I was 14. Really? Where was come, that? Oh, uh, uh-huh. I can sure you. No was the best. But so, it's houses, it's there now, but you know the best semi to us? It's just the other side of the street. And was that your first job from uh, school? 14, uh-huh. Oh, and I'd done two and a half years now, I'm done now my goodness, I was 19
1: and a half. And when you were in the land army, were you still crocheting or sewing or
0: doing something? Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I. Using experience built up over many years, Margaret finds her skills in great demand out with the group.
3: So I've got weddings booked for two years' time. I've weddings booked for 2021 2022. So I've got a wedding in July this year, um, the 10th of July, and I've got Four kilts to make for that, the bride's dress, four bridesmaids dresses, two wee page boys and a wee girl. That
1: is some skill level, Magda, I can only applaud you. Wonderful, wonderful. And
3: and the the weddings in Canada, so I've got a wee journey.
0: (laughs) Sharing skills and learning within the group is a big part of what they do. Here's Christina.
1: Well, all my life I wanted to do more sewing and more dressmaking, although I dabbled in it and it was only when I came here about eight years ago, particularly with the support. And it's a lifetime ambition uh, accomplished for me.
3: It's a lifetime skill.
2: And how, how did you learn how to hand sew or crochet or...
3: Well, develop? Charlotte
2: actually bought a quilt for her sister-in-law and she asked me it, and I didn't have a clue. And I brought it in and Isabel helped start, helped start it with me
0: as well as the traditional ways of learning and passing on skills, the internet now provides a growing resource of practical tuition.
3: There's YouTube, yeah, and that's that's a wonderful thing, because yeah. I mean, I can crochet a wee bit, but there's things that sometimes I'll say, well, I don't know how to do that, but I'll go into YouTube and I'll find how to do it, and I'll ring back and I'll go back in it, and I'll go back in it, so I'll get yeah. it and learn.
1: Do you think also, I mean I'm like yourself I don't use patterns a lot because I'm slightly dyslexic so I, I kind of find my own way through things but
2: in another way it allows you a certain amount of creativity it is, It's not, if you don't finish a thing and if you can't quite manage it, it's no getting up it's just persevering, you know you've tried your best so there's obviously no turn of or somebody else can help you mm-hmm. so that's where you go, I need help and the help's in the, in mm-hmm. in the group some of the skills
1: that you've got that I've seen you doing is like the crocheting the the hats for the praying babies the blankets for the babies at the hospital tell us a wee bit more about that how long you've been doing that and
2: where all that work goes well I started at 12 my granny showed me the crochet but I can't read a pattern which is I think it's a disadvantage but it's an advantage in a way because people can show you how to improve on your skills then I went on to the crocheted mats and then when I get into it, when I started coming to, to swim class, I started learning for other people that I could take it up a level, and get better at it, which I have done. Then I started doing baby mats for the, the premature units, crocheted plus baby blankets because I wanted to give something back. Right. Because that's um, not too fine a point. Us some health issues, anyway. Yeah, so yeah. this is how I get into this. So yeah. I wanted to be back because I knew had skills, yeah. and that's my way of came back.
4: And when
1: when you make your shawls, which are pretty fantastic, the baby shawls, yeah. where do they go and how many do you think you've made over oh, the years? Oh, I couldn't count
4: them. Hundreds? And, and they've been all over the world. Hundreds? Aye, oh, easy, yeah. easy. I've got another two in this morning. And where do they <laughs> go all over the world? <laughs> oh, well, I've been in Australia,
1: mm-hmm. uh, America, yeah. you know what I mean? And tell us a wee bit about those wonderful
2: quilts that I watched you making that you sent to America. Oh, well, I've done the Stars and Stripes one and I bought it off eBay because I wanted to learn to hand sew it, so I've done it for my auntie Jean. Because uh, that was my mommy's uh, my daddy's sister in law mm-hmm. and they emigrated from America when but when I was about seven and I wanted to do something nice, so i done a crochet mat with Arizona colours in it with the mushroom and and then i have done the stars and stripes and sent it
1: to him. Quite a high level of technical expertise. How, <laughs> it's how, just plain stitching. Did you teach yourself that? Aye, That's quite
2: amazing. I can machine, so that's part of your advantage. Uh-huh. But you don't tell a body what you can do, because a just <laughs> chunks.
0: <laughs> As we've been hearing, women in the group make and donate mats, blankets and shawls for premature babies. These are sometimes given anonymously to hospitals, as Irene tells us.
2: There's there's a lot of people that that are doing more stuff, they don't get recognised because they don't know about it. There's people handing it and going into the the Premier Unit in different hospitals, but they're not recognised because they just don't know about it. Because it's like they want to do their own thing and that's it. I know at least three people in that hand-knits and crocheted, but you don't know about it unless you talk about it on the bus. And maybe, maybe in some ways they want that anonymity or maybe
1: in That's another it. way it's 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 a it's a mutual exchange. You're doing something that helps you feel good,
2: and you're perhaps helping people that need That's a lot. It. Of butter, but I've I always put in for the busy bees. Yeah. So it's not for me; it's for the busy bees on behalf. But I've always mm-hmm. done it. Mm-hmm. Anything I do is on behalf of the busy mm-hmm. bees. And how do the hospital and the workers there react to your kindness? Well, sometimes I get a letter and sometimes I don't. But I'm pleased with what I've done and I what I've done my best. That's it. Mm-hmm. So all I can do in life. I
1: think it's a wonderful thing that you do and I can only
3: praise you for that.
0: And are the skills that the group members have been passed on to the younger generation?
3: My granddaughter, who is now four, has been on my sewing machine, my big sewing machine, and has her own sewing machine when she was three. Mm-hmm. My other granddaughter, who's 29, is the same. My grandson was the same. Mm-hmm.
1: So they all can do it? My kids? All do it. Who else in your family
2: sews or knits or crafts? They are? do. It's me. They'll come to me for the, the, the sewing and the crocheting and fixing trousers and jackets and that because they don't really know what to do. They're, they're not really interested. So my brother and my sisters all come to me to fix stuff.
3: Out with in here. I don't do it in here. I do it in the house. But it's a skill that has to be passed on. Yeah. I mean... I know folk, they can't even throw a button on. Mm -hmm. And I feel sad
0: for them. I know. To end this programme, Irene, Margaret and Christina reflect on what they feel are the benefits of being a member of the Busy Bees group.
1: And what other advantages do you think? I mean, these groups are all over Scotland. We know there's knitting, crocheting, sewing, craft groups all over Scotland. Mostly women, but not exclusively. But... I think there's a lot of advantages in coming to a group. There is, this. because what if you're you a
2: bit down, and uh, the, the last five years, a lot of our women have lost their husbands. And if you do get a bit down, at least you can phone and talk to somebody, and you can talk to them there. If you're a bit down, each person and the group sort of mm-hmm. doesn't bring you in a bit, but you can talk and but mm-hmm. which really does help. So the last five year, I just wouldn't have been able to know handle a lot of stuff because of the group. Is
3: there to help me? The, the value for me is passing on my skills to somebody else. But for the groups, I think it's great com- Well, it's companionship for the ladies. Yeah. They all have their own skills they bring to the group. Mm-hmm. They have great friendships in the group. They have no isolation in the group. And that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. I always found it was a big thing, even way back when I was doing it in 1980, when I started doing classes like this. Mm-hmm. Um I was in Drumchapel, Strathclyde Community Business asked me to go to a class in Drumchapel and it was machine knitting, they were knitting jumpers and selling them, you know, they were doing them for £2 and £3 school jumpers and the women there all had a great time, they had no money, they were buying the wool and were just making stuff and selling it but that was an outlet for them, it was an income for them and it was companionship for them. I think that it's purpose as well. And we have social times and we sh- well, well,
1: we, we share- go for days out mm. and we go
2: for trips and it's absolutely and amazing. That's it. And we share clothes. That's Everybody's it. always got something to give somebody. And we share recipes and but,
1: oh, yeah. So there's a lot of, of benefits to um, this kind of group and the kind of work we do. I see it as that rippling out. You know, we ripple out to each other and
2: then out to the community um, and. There's if one candidate date then we pass it on mm-hmm. then somebody will come back and help us and show us mm-hmm. and then it's like a knock on effect and then
1: on Landemere Day and at Christmas we have our stall we're, we're selling handcrafted little works of art in many ways at very low cost to the community so there's, there's a benefit all round there in is. so many ways and I know it's been very helpful for me too coming here. Mm. Uh, just my skills Merwise,
2: mer that I can uh, talk about I because you, you know. can't because it's inside. Yeah, it's I a know. part of you uh-huh. if you understand uh-huh. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But you can't explain how you feel, but you uh-huh. know and uh-huh. say how you feel.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think one of the things that's
1: coming up for me as we're talking, Irene, is is, is a visual of this group and how
3: just how much it's comfortable it does. to be
2: in, we will help each uh-huh. other, which uh-huh. is good.
3: It's great. I mean. Although I'm telling you what I'm doing, I'm quite a shy person. You might not believe that, but I am quite a shy person. When I'm in here, I'm, I'm mad at who does the be bit of sewing. When I'm elsewhere, I'm mad at the quiet quiet <laughs> it.
1: And also, some of the women that you've been talking about that I've watched over the last seven years that we have lost sadly, that have passed away, but in my experience, watching them here lengthened their life, lengthened the quality of the life that was Because you get somebody to talk to, and, and a purpose. When you think of. You know, like um, Catherine Aye. that used to come, and you know, because some have passed away suddenly. Some, you no, know, Helen and uh, and Wilma were founder I know. You know, um, that was first Two first. years came Aye. through a lot of health challenges, but just coming was so important to her, and it
2: was, was so important It's almost a yeah, no,
1: it's, it's it's a good group and more of it
2: could be rolled out across Scotland. As my dad says, happy hands happy heart. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's that's a, a good one right. That's
0: thanks, okay. That's I'm Carrick MacDonald and you've been listening to part 1 of Common Threads in the series Halfway to Borough, the two towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. Many thanks to Lily, Margaret and Irene who've been talking to Christina Quarel, about being part of the Busy Bees craft group. Some members of the group are currently using their skills in a project called For the Love of Scrubs, a Facebook platform which enables people throughout the UK to contribute towards supplying hospitals with scrubs for frontline workers in their fight against coronavirus. The music was by Sugar Nifty. I hope you enjoyed this programme and that you can join me next time when we'll hear from other members of the Busy Bees Craft Group in part two of Common Threads. Until then, thanks for listening. Sadly, Lily passed away in August 2020, just a few months after this programme was recorded. Lily will be greatly missed by her family and all who knew her, including her many friends in the Busy Bees Craft Group. on friday 31st of march cam glenn presents live events are back in our venue number 18 rutherglen get your tickets for an evening of garage rock featuring gelatine middle class guilt and fat black cats Tickets are £7 plus booking fee and we have a licence bar so it's strictly over 18s only Doors open at 7.30pm Just search for Cam Glen Presents Tickets You're listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness For the next half an hour you'll hear the sounds of Loch Fenneker in the Trossachs.